city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming NBS, episode 346, being recorded Monday, June 14th, 2021! Welcome to Gaming NBS, tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. How are you doing, Sean? Floor's looking good. Thanks, buddy. Your uh, basement's coming along as well. It's it's the season of, season of projects. Yes, I'm actually happy because my surgeon lifted my lifted my weight restriction so I can start doing whatever the hell I want. Within reason, she said. Which means, like, hang two sheets of drywall and you're like, ah, and I'm done. I feel that in my neck. Ah, I have to take a day or two off now. It's a pain in the ass because... Younger Brett, without post-surgery healing, would have been like, I'll just knock this bathroom out in a day. That's not happening. Not happening at all. But, eh, I got time. I got time. So, Well, you know what, man? Set out home projects. How the hell are you for gaming? Did you get anything cool done while we were before, between last and now? Anything cool? I did. I uh, played with the Forbidden Lands dudes. Did they get through the, uh, the site, the location yet? They haven't. Um... But that's not that's not a big shock. Like that's not they got it's a couple, lot to chew. Got it. They uh, a couple sessions worth of content there to grind through. Yeah, it's uh they're in an interesting spot. Of, good of the this site. So we'll see. Very how good. It goes. Yeah. Very good. Anybody die yet? Nobody has died. Nobody has died yet. Okay. Good. 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 Yeah. Anything else? Uh, let me see. Uh, nope. Delta green. No, no. Last week, Thursday. Nope. That's it. <laughs> Last final, final answer. Final Maybe? answer. That's it. I had, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Alpha ran, um, I don't know the week before. Ah, I had Greyhawk first edition Greyhawk online last week, Thursday. Well, the guys, Alpha couldn't make it, but it was a good time for us to be down one person because they had a couple different paths to choose. Um, a couple different plastic dinosaurs in the sandbox, as Robin Laws would say. So they had to pick the one they liked the most and go after that. So they're back up into the mountains. They've got this theory that the uh, that this tunnel through the uh, Crystal Mist Mountains is probably the source of the giant problem because giants are about to invade the Grand Duchy of Jeff and flatten it if they don't do something. Like, oh, we could totally do this. Spoiler, that's not the right answer to stop the Giants, but I'm not telling them that. Hee <laughs> I'm waiting for them to come back to civilization. Go, what the fuck happened here? So that'll be fun. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, AJ ran his uh, Midgard game this last uh, weekend. That was a lot of fun. He has, uh, he's really, really impressed me. I don't know if I 
is tell my buddy Lenny about this. So he did a deal where Ilana's character and I, her dragonborn, or you're my dwarven wizard. We've been doing really good collecting this, collecting that. We're building up a big cash because what we want to do is we've decided we want to buy an inn in this little town um, outside of, uh, oh, shit. What's the big city in Midgard? Shit. What the hell is the name of that big city? Lost it. Anyway, someone will correct me. Someone out there screaming at the podcatcher right now. Anyway, so we found this little town. We've been doing a lot of good deeds there. They like us. We're kind of local heroes. We're like, hey, we should buy this town. And you're like, what? We're like, no, we're going to like set up shop and start funding people. And we'll be like the heroes here. This would be great. So not one to just let all of his plots and stuff go around him. He took, apparently he listened to me at one point when I told him like, hey, the plot can the plot will just roll over you. Like if you ignore the world, the world will roll over you at some point. And guess what's happening? The orcs are rolling over us. So. Somebody shows up in town we, pretending to be us. We're like, oh, it might be a doppelganger. It could be this. could be that. We accidentally shot somebody who was a friend of ours. We, whoops, sorry about that. Thought it was mistake, mistaken identity. Turns out, yes, he did have a little doppelganger. And the fucker snuck in during a siege of the town. This little bitty, uh, village, more or less. And in the process, I found out that it was a doppelganger because a guy turned around and dumped boiling oil on me. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I found out. Killed the bastard. But AJ was also smart. He had his main bad guy back off when the fight got too tough. He's like, I'm not dying for this. And he started to back off. So it's been really good. He's had a lot of different wheels and things turning all at once, different clocks, if you will. And uh, I think he's doing a really good job. There's only two players to control or keep track of. But uh, for a 15-year-old kid just trying to have a cohesive plot and doing following along with the crazy antics of Ilana and I, I think he's doing well. So. I'm really impressed. And not just because he's my kid. It's actually pretty good stuff. In fact, he's my kid helps, of course. <laughs> Other than that, let's see. This weekend, um, Thursday, I'm going to run Greyhawk again because Alpha was on vacation. He's not ready. But then Friday is Horror on the Orient Express. And then my buddy Nick is back with his Star Wars game. So that's uh, his D6 West End Games version. That'll be Saturday. So that should be fun. I think that's about it, man. But you know, speaking of games, Mr. Jim Fitzpatrick, Jim the Linguist, has uh, he runs a really cool game about sign language. It's basically, I think his his ad for the game is like, come sit down for a couple hours and don't say anything. It's like two hours of silence. And he's running a game account under our banner. Jim's an awesome dude. And um, Jen Brinkman, and I know a couple other people have played it, and it's all like creating a language and sign language. It's very, very cool. Jim's on Twitter if you want to hit him up about it and bug him, but uh, I'm really glad he's choosing to run that one again. It's very unique, and I think it's pretty damn cool. I got to check my schedule and see what I can do to see if I can get in on it or maybe try to scam Jim and make him run me run us one on a side, but that one looks kind of fun. Anyway, good job, Jim. Thank you. Appreciate you running that, man. Anything else, Sean Watt, news-wise, announcement-wise, anything cool? No. No? Oh, not that I could think of off the top of my head. All right. Well, GameHoleCon.com. Check it out. It's in person. Rules and regs and how to be in person. All that good stuff are up there. So get out there. Hope we, hopefully, if you show up, we can see you there. I got to get a hotel figured out, man. I'm, I'm behind on that. I got to sort that shit out. Just sleep on the street, Brett. I'll just sleep. On, you got this new floor. I'll bring a cot. I have a cot. I'll sleep in your basement. I have a cot. Yeah, it's clean. It smells better down here. See? I'll bring my cot. I'll be fine. Anyway. Random encounter. Let's let's do. Let's do. Random encounter. Random encounter. 
segment of the show where you field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. You start, man. All right. First one. Todd from Broken Ruler Games comments on modifying encounters on the fly. As a general rule, I never adjust the combat encounters stats on the fly, even if what was supposed to be a tough encounter becomes a cakewalk. If that does happen, I try to find a way to complicate the scene by calling in reinforcements or using a fireball spell to set the room on fire and ramp up the tension, but almost never by adjusting details already prepped and recorded. Back in my 3E homebrew campaign, I wanted to pit the PCs against the massive horde of flesh-eating zombies. The idea was that they had to survive the night as these zombies would turn to dust at dawn. It was designed to force the PCs out of their standard fight-in-the-open approach and add some mobility to the encounter as they had to move from one secure shelter to another to outlast the night. Uh, yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> Sorcerer had just learned a polymorph spell that would allow him and two others to turn into a creature they encountered before. So in their uh, waning hours before the horde attacked, they chose a large insectoid creature called a Rukinir from the previous adventure and decided to hold out for as long as possible in a big fight out in the open. (laughs) Well, that choice of monster just happened to provide the PCs with, uh, with the perfect immunities and damage reduction that allowed them to survive hundreds of zombies attacking as a horde. And it also gave them the ideal attack that would allow them to sweep through the horde. Once I realized they had, by sheer luck, picked the perfect defense and therefore nerfed all my plans, I gave it to them. They planned, took what they knew about the situation, and made all the right choices to win the battle. In that moment, they deserve complete victory. However, in the next adventure, they had to go up against the Pit Fiend. They were something like a CR-10 party or something. I needed to take something from them and wanted to make sure it would, would get done, so I took the main boss for the whole campaign and brought him in for an early appearance. No deaths, no injuries, just some dislocated jaws as they saw a Pit Fiend take the sorcerer's younger brother into a portal to hell. They were not wearing brown pants that day, let me tell you. (laughs) So maybe I do adjust things, but later, once they've proven themselves capable of kicking ass in a tough encounter where the final act of the game, standard pacing and plot devices tell us to bring them down a notch as their nemesis tries to quell this growing threat. You blow up the Death Star. The Empire is going to crush you with the giant metal camels. And this DM, and this DM, don't fuck around when you wipe out a zombie horde. <laughs> I like that. That's another cool idea. We did not talk about that. So, Mr. Todd, I appreciate you bringing that up, brother, because that's another really cool thing to do from modifying is like taking notes and learning from that encounter where they breeze through it or to the other. I would also say Todd is pro- would probably agree with and Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, but you would agree with like, hey, if that was way too tough, make note <laughs> of what they can and can't get away with, you know, what's within their actual challenge capabilities and so forth. And, or if you're like, look, you know, the dice fall where they may. So, so be it um, that if that's how you roll, that's fine. But still having, having that knowledge and using it to adjust later on, you know, the other encounters and so forth. That's pretty smart. I like that idea. I do. Love, also, I have to say, Sean, I love his concept of, you know what? They made all the right choices, pick these big bug things, 
fucking hey man you did the right thing holy shit yeah you win sometimes those easy wins are fucking awesome you know for the players winner winner chicken dinner exactly i like it good job todd i like that stuff man thank you edwin commented on streaming and recording your play and uh, greetings all. I had uh, a few thoughts about streaming and recording. I've been recording with Skype of Cthulhu for five or six years. With over 700 episodes and 10 years, it's one of the granddaddies. It started, I've heard, as a means of playing. The recording and publishing is mostly gravy for us, but it does have some effects on the game. I think it pushes us to show up every week, which is great. We're also more likely to fill silences and read handouts out loud. That said, I would say this is one of the most actual, actual plays out there, unedited, even if they have the crappy mic and the weak internet connection. That brings me to one of my main thoughts about actual plays. I find a big range between an actual, actual play and whatever critical role is. No knocks about either. Depending on my mood and goal for listening, I enjoy both. Skype at Cthulhu is really a recording of game sessions with, as I said, very little concession for the listening public. No sound effects, no editing, no listener interaction, etc. We try to stop recording at the end before talking dirt about the scenarios and engage in out-of-game banter. And in fact, one thing recording does do for us is keep us slightly more focused on the game than we otherwise might be. Many of my favorite quote-unquote actual plays, on the other hand, are highly produced. And those that are streamed live often have some level of audience interaction and even participation. These things make for a very different thing, more of a play than a game, although always some of both. I've recorded some games for the record and even used an automated transcription service on the recordings that would be searchable. It was great after a PC made a brash promise to a fake creature to have it on record in all its literal trouble. (laughs) It's also good for playtests. It seems different from publishing, though, since there are no external audience. I think I had some other thoughts while listening to the episode, but I was hot and my brain melted. (laughs) Happy gaming all, Edwin. That's interesting, man. I like some of the, the points you make there. And I can tell you when, if you're going to put something out there, Sean and I today, Sean's been kicking his ass, doing a lot of basement work and stuff. So I got a hold of him and said, dude, you, do you need to push? He said, nope, we got to record. Got to get this done. People counting on us. We got to get this out. Which uh, made me feel bad because last time we pushed was because of me. So I felt like a slack ass. So I cried a little bit. But anyway, no, I th- there's there's some power in that. When you show up and there's a recording time and so on, you're supposed to crank out a product. That can be very powerful. And I, you know, I think he's right, man. There's there's space for all types of actual plays. You may, somebody may be like, look, I don't like actual, actual plays. I like decent sound quality. I like decent this. I like this. I like this. And that's fine. Then stay away from something like Skype of Cthulhu if it doesn't fit your need, you know? You agree, Sean? What'd you think? Yeah. Yeah? I do. Edwin, I didn't know he was a uh, editor, producer guy. I didn't know that either. It's crazy. He did offer to help me out with how to RPG, which I haven't outrightly declined completely, but scheduling he knows is an issue. But Edwin's a good Edwin be a good guy for that too. He knows the stuff. For sure. Thanks, man. Appreciate you listening and writing in there, brother. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Edwin. Over to you, Sean. All right. Ray Otis comments on streaming and recording play. I listened to podcasts way back in the mid-2000s. I remember the horrible audio of Geek Speak and Dragon's Lair, among others. Later, but still early gamer podcasting greats like Godzilla Gaming, Durham 3, Sons of Kairos, and Have Games Will Travel. Ah, Paul Tevis. Didn't always have amazing audio uh, quality either, but then I was so hungry for the content that the quality of the audio wasn't a huge issue for me. Mostly I'm still in 
mostly I'm still that way. I could deal with a weak mic or puff, peep, puff, puffs more than I can, um, uh, more than I can a million like or um filters or lip smacking. I guess. Sorry, threw one in there for you. Yeah, Keep going. Appreciate that, Brett. Uh, I guess I'm still totally fine with guerrilla podcasting, but there is less excuse for it today. Advice on how to achieve solid audio quality can be had with a minimum of searching or simply by contacting someone who has a level of quality you want to emulate. The tech is relatively cheap and really solid sound can be achieved with a smartphone in a closet full of sound absorbing clothes. Bad sound day, but bad sound these days is one of two things. An insult to the listener because the podcaster just doesn't care. Or a kind of punk podcasting manifesto because the podcaster doesn't think anyone should care about form over content. I kind of respect that, but I also acknowledge that some people have far more discerning ears than I do. You both made some good points about how streaming can affect your game. My favorite saying along those lines is that role-playing games are like skinny dipping. Oh, boy. Strip down and get in or go away. Looky Louie's not welcome. It's a big step in turn uh, to turn your game into a broadcasted event and everyone at the table had better be on board. Fundamentally, you are doing two things now, playing an RPG and engaging and entertaining others. The latter can end up trumping the other and will certainly transform the way you play. I like that. That's good. That's good stuff. The, um, you know, I hadn't thought about the punk podcasting concept, Sean, but I think he's, I do, I have listened to some podcasts over the years and it's very clear the podcasters in question could give a fuck whether or not they sound decent or have good quality or do any editing or whatever it is. They're much more interested in like, hey, this is the message, this is the content, this is much more important. There's some hunting podcasts I listen to where they step on each other worse than I step on Sean, believe it or not. I know it's crazy. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes they have like terrible sound quality or they try different things. And it's just kind of a train wreck, but I like the guys and the the ladies that they have in the podcast. They're both very, I mean, they're, they're a really talented group of people and they've got a really cool message about conservation and other cool shit I care about. But yeah, I'm like, God damn, get a, get a sound guy. You know, I should say, I thought that for a long time, they have hired a sound guy and a podcast producer. Now a guy named Phil, Happens to be his name, like Phil's here. Like, oh, thank God, because your podcast, and by God, the whole the quality went up, and uh, their message is still there. They still stomp on each other, but man, it's a hell of a lot easier to listen to. Interesting, interesting, cool. Thanks, thanks, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Thank you very much, man. All right, let's get into the main topic. Let's jump. <laughs> You ready, Sean? This one's for you, baby. So Sean has been talking about good player stuff for a long time for like, what is it? How long have we been doing it, Sean? Six years? Seven years? How long have we been doing this? God, 300, 346 episodes, whatever the hell that is, barring motorcycle accidents and other weird acts one a, of God. One a day for a year. One a day for a year. <laughs> good God, is, that's a lot. <laughs> I just thought about that. Anyway, point is, Sean is wanted to talk about like being a good player. What does that mean and so forth? It was kind of funny. Rather, uh, I'm like, okay, I've got it slotted. It's coming up, episode 346. And then uh, just ahead of that, Angela Murray from Gnome Stew has a Being a Better Player article she posted up on Gnome Stew. I've got a link in the die roll for folks there, but I'm like, awesome. 
because Angie is a good, she's a hell of a gamer. I played with her a couple different occasions. She's a ton of fun, really knows her stuff. And um, the article is short and tight and succinct as a good gnome store article is. So if you want to, when you get to it, check it out and uh, you can see what we ripped off from it because <laughs> there's some good stuff there. And uh, you'll also see shit. We probably missed that Ange covered or covered better than we do. So anyway, Sean, is there uh, is there a little internal you got, got a little something you want to get off your chest? Or has there been a problem? You got a, you got some bad players you got to deal with or something? No, no. <laughs> Okay, I'm just every I'm player I've ever gamed with is the best player I've ever gamed with. Wow, you're a terrible liar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've gamed with me. I know I'm not that good. Um, anyway, I think it's interesting because we it's very easy to target the game master and say, hey, here's some cool stuff. You throw this at your players. Try this. Because that's one person in many cases. Some cases, barring again, different games in the year otherwise, there's some really cool shit out there where you're passing the stick, as it were, and you're passing the duties of Game Master around, or there's a lot of interaction between it, which can be kind of fun. But even in those cases, you've got to have players that are they're there for that. There's an investment level and so on. And I think some of the basic shit we've talked about in the past, like, Hey, if you make a character, know what your character's powers are, know what their skills are, know the rules. Um, if this is session five and you're still saying, how do I roll the hit? How much damage does my sword do? How do I check that skill? Where are my spells? I think it's worth, I think it's worth warning you that you may have dice thrown at your head. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Because that, I think those things are almost table stakes. But I want to get past the table stakes stuff here, Sean, and talk about shit like, you know, so I'll just open up here, like note taker. There's a skill that people have, uh, some people at the table, we've talked about this a little bit before with taking notes. And this isn't like, hey, just, what do I want to say? Just taking the load off the game master, but realizing that this is a, um, if you don't write it down, you know, it has to do with paying attention and, and focus here, right? But by the act of you taking notes as a player, I think that it does a number of different things. When the game master sees you doing it, when they sit down, Ange looks at the cross table and says, okay, it's been a couple of weeks since we got to play. We finally got scheduled. Brett, do you remember what happened last time? And I look at a blank sheet of paper and a flip, flip, shuffle, shuffle. Oh, yeah, I didn't write anything down. It's almost an insult right? That you don't remember anything. You literally remember nothing from the last time we played. And the reason I say it's almost an insult is because depending who the game master is as a person and who the players are and so on, I can tell you, I, Brett, have personally, I have taken it personally before where I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That was this, we had this amazing session last time. We went through this huge thing for like eight hours and you don't remember any of it. Well, it was a couple weeks ago. Fuck, dude, write something down. Pay attention. Oh, my God. You know, it's if you do the blank stare, you could say, well, I hmm, I don't remember everything, but I do remember blah, 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 key, key points and so on. But when someone asks you what happened last time and you pipe out with the oh, so cute, I don't remember or uh, I don't know what happened. I didn't take any notes. It's insulting, quite frankly. It really it's it's more insulting to some folks than others, but. I think from a good player perspective, that's one of those menial ta menial tasks. 
if you've got a great memory, good on you, but taking something to help you remember it be however you take your notes, but something to help you there. Sean, do you with, are you with me there or do you think I'm being over the top? What the, it depends. Mm. Depends why and how. Well, if you've got a dedicated note taker, then I don't think it's as big a deal that everybody takes notes. Fair enough. I. Uh, but somebody's got to somebody's got to fill in when that person's gone. If they fair. can't make it for some reason, right? True. You can't just. Well, I, I actually had the guys comment like, "Oh shit, Kev's not here. Who's? What did we do last time? He's got all the notes." Um. Which the, is funny sometimes, but not all the time. Somebody should still fucking remember. So I'm yeah. thinking, anyway, carry on, carry on. I also think it depends on how detailed the campaign is. So I like that uh, point. I like I like that. Keep going. Yeah, going when I ran uh masks of Nyrolethotep, I mean, I told them up front, you you guys gotta take a lot of notes. Like I will buy you journals. You got to take a lot of notes and you got to absorb a lot of this. Cause that's part, that is part of, I think in that, of that game and that campaign specifically, like oh, maybe- same with, same with horror on the Orient Express, dude, honestly, any in-depth investigative, and we'll look at the granddaddy call of Cthulhu. When we talk about, we can have the argument that all games are investigative in some way, but when you're trying to solve a riddle, a, a a weird ass clues, drawing connections. Yes. I think it's much more important. Why are we in this dungeon again? We have to save the prince. We have to save the dragon from the princess. We have to go recover the sword of kill them all, sort them out, whatever. That's an easy mission statement done. I got it. Yeah. But four sessions in on masks. If you're like, why are we in, why are we in Shanghai again? Get the fuck out. (laughs) It's like, I'm done with you. Doing, totally makes sense. doing a hex crawl or, or yeah, doing exploration sometimes doesn't, I mean, we're, we're, we're out in the wilderness. Last time we came across this, right? That's where we are, I believe. You know, that stuff isn't, you know, there. I think it when you're in a campaign with a lot of non-player characters, a, like a really weird, intricate plot. You know, with a lot of moving uh, parts and components, then I think that note taking can be an important, you know, important part of the game. If you're just like, "Hey, we're going to throw down insert game here," or we're going to start going through hexes, or you're going to, you know, it, it's you go through the rainforest, you know, you, you hunt a few things, you come across some non-player characters and monsters. Some of that stuff, I mean, what's ran into boar, you know, it's, yeah. it's cool if people want to do it, but I don't think it's at the same level. So let me throw this to you. Um, kind of in the, it's, it, I think this is like an evolution of note taker. I want to start there. Cause then there's like, Hey, are you paying attention? Well, yes, I took some notes. That's great. Sure. What do the notes say? Well, they're very detailed because we encountered 52 NPCs and fuck, I need to know how they all tie together. Got the, you know, beautiful mind room where I'm trying to map it all together. Holy shit. Knowing my PC skills and so on. Yes. I took the plot hook. Yes. The plot hook was out there. I grabbed onto it. If you pay attention to what happened and someone says, what happened last time? And you can describe it like, yep, last time we were, it was uh, Forbidden Lands. So we're 
We were moving from one hex to another. We encountered a tower. We decided what we wanted to do with that tower and so on. I'm talking about tone. And I honestly think a thing that raises a player from good average to exceptional is that player's ability to help you maintain and drive home the tone. And the reason I talk about notes here, I want to start with that, is because I believe if you're paying attention and you're taking notes and you remember those those themes and tones or thomes, as I was smashing them together, the themes and tones. And if when you, when the game master or anybody else says, what, what, where were we when that happened? Oh, that was just after we fought the boar. That matters in a Forbidden Lands game, right? In a Call Cthulhu game, you say that was after we visited the, uh, we went to the, um, uh, the librarian. Remember the guy with the glasses and he had the weird, weird, the weird stutter thing. Yeah. We talked to him. Then we talked to the cop. That's where we met the cop. Yes. It was right outside the library. Drawing those type of connections and having those pieces instead of saying, well, we killed four orcs, killed the boar. And uh, I think we're four rooms through the dungeon. That's just so mundane. There's no tone there. There's nothing to help set the stage. Because for me, when I, as a game master, ask the group, so what happened last time? What I'm hoping for, and this is probably something I should be much more explicit with, either session zero or post-fact, is that someone will assist me with setting and maintaining the tone. Remember last time, we had this beautiful horror tone. We started out, we're going through this mothership game. And then two weeks later, we got together we were just telling some jokes before the game started. Everyone finally logged in or we finally showed up. The pizza's been ordered. You sit down, crack a beer. Okay, what happened last time? I'm looking for the group to help me reset the tone, get everybody back to where it belongs to. And as soon as someone goes, I don't know, don't you take notes, Game Master? Or they look at you like, Can you t- can't you tell us what happened type of thing? It's, it, there's, a, there's a collaborative piece this is what I'm trying to get to there. And I think that's where taking the notes that allow you as a player to help maintain the tone from the beginning to the end, you know, kickstart that new session. You buying that, Sean? Does that make sense to you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, mileage may vary, I think, but what? It's clearly the best and only decent advice we have. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> do you believe it though? I mean, does that make sense to you? I do. I, I think it would even be more of uh depending on the who the what the player is playing. Like playing a bard eh, might be, you know, align better with your player character if you're journaling journaling what you're doing or you know, maybe you're you're weaving tales. Now some people would say, Well, I do that in the game. Like I, I do that, right? Nothing wrong with maybe jotting a few notes that would complement that, I think, but yeah. I could see tying it to your character or your character's perception, right? Which is another way to help maintain tone. Like, hey, we're playing Mothership or playing Call of Cthulhu, Aliens, Simbarum, or whatever. Yeah, I, my character definitely remembers the conversation with the uh, with the Rage Troll that we just barely got away from. Um, I'm pretty sure we I, we could have taken him in a fight, but pff, the elf told me we shouldn't fight him, blah, 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 blah. You know, that that's a tone thing again. Um, if you're telling it from the player's perspective, but I, um, cause you and I have talked about tone and a good group of players. And one of the things that it helps is when people get into the game and people say that, Oh, the group was really into it. What the fuck do we mean by into it? And I've, when I peel back the onion, when I talk to people or I try to pull out of what the hell they're talking about, 
it seems to be more that the players are really into the tone, the theme, and they're leaning into those concepts. And I think when they do that, they're helping the game master bolster the entire session, the, the entire campaign, you know, if we can keep it going type of thing. And I think that really elevates players. You know, that's a, that's a player skill thing that's super helpful. Not like, well, I made a character within the limitations that the game master gave me. Isn't that enough? Uh, that That's table stakes, man. That's how I see it, right? Yes, you made a fighter who's not from fighter land. His parents weren't killed by orcs this time. Good for you. You've got somebody who is in the game. Great. They're the right type of superhero in the right type of Marvel universe that we all agreed to in session zero. But how are you helping to maintain that? Instead of just seeing your character sheet as a list of numbers. And some people like to play like this, right? So I'll just caveat this right now. Some folks could give a fuck about anything I'm saying here. And they're all about, look, I min-max my character. This is how my group has fun, so on and so forth. Great. True. I, I don't enjoy that very much, so I don't have a lot of advice for that group other than keep doing what is you're doing. If that's good for you, you got it great. But if you're trying to get theme and tone and concepts and so on, I think if you stick with that stuff, that helps you do a number of different things as a player. It makes, I believe that helps, it helps me anyway as a player and the players I game with that I think are, are having the most fun when they're enacting in that space, they recognize a plot hook for what it is. And they don't use phrases like, well, I guess that we're, that's where Sean wants us to go. They say things like, you know what? Ragnar thinks that's a good call. Or, you know, from my character's perspective, this is obviously the direction we need to go. We need to go check out the tower. We got to go to the library. That's how my character sees it. You know, Ezekiel thinks this is the right way to go. However, the talking character or describing their character's opinions and feelings, they're using that as a driver because they're into the themes, the tones, they're trying to enforce that. And I think it just, it helps to, sometimes they make a suboptimal choice, you know, like, hey, look, Ezekiel thinks the best thing to do is go talk to the librarian. Somebody else is like, yeah, but I don't know, man, I think the cop had better data. I don't know. I think the librarian's where it's at. Your character's leaning in a certain direction. It's a suboptimal choice. Perhaps the cop is better, but, and you could say, look, Brett knows the cop is probably better, but I'm telling you from my character's perspective, it's got to be the library. And that's why I'm arguing this with you. That's fun to listen to as a game master for me. And I think it's a, again, it's a tone and a concepts driver that can be very, very helpful. I don't want to hammer on that too much, but I think that's, if your players, if you as a player and players at your table are helping you maintain the tone and stuff, because that's so fucking hard to maintain sometimes, you know, everything from ha ha ha, we went from, you know, really deep, hardcore mothership to dick jokes. Great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Could we please, you know, it, it stuff like that happens. You, you get goofy or you start talking. Somebody goes, oh, my God, that reminds me of this new song I heard. Oh, fuck, dude, stop. You know, it happens. We, we have those breaks. And that's fine. But um, helping maintain the tone, it's just, it's a huge thing to me. I think that if I were to pick one thing, I think that is a piece that makes me want to continue to bring you back to my game. If I'm the game master and I'm looking at somebody's like, are they a per, I want to try a new thing. I want to try this game. Who would be a good player for this game? I'm thinking about the men and women I've gained with who are really good at that piece. They want to jump in and own that chunk of it and help drive it. The concepts of the world, the setting, whatever it is, they're going to help drive that shit. That's a big one for me. I think that's a defining piece. Do you agree with me? I mean, is that a big deal to you, Sean, or do you think it's lesser? 
I think it's a big deal, but I think it's it's made up of a few things, which is you know, sure, break break it down for me, brother. What do you like, think? Well, you you know, coming to pay attention, of course. I think that's mm. a willingness to want to be there. Although I think in life there's times some of us are like, I don't want a game tonight. You know, whatever. Oh, that shit happens. Yeah. Some will. I mean, I was like that one Delta Green session recently. You know, um, I think it was. But uh, not last week, week before I started this stupid project. So I fired up the Delta green game. Wanted to play kind of at a weird point in the, the session, mm-hmm. but I was probably quieter and less participatory than I'm usually uh, during a game session. So I think also recognizing that is maybe a one-off and not all the time. No, true. I think that that's a very good point, Sean. If I'll, I'll say it another way is that if I have a player who's like, wow, Sean, Lenny, Eileen, these folks are just, they're kicking ass all the time. You know, there are times when they're going to show up and be like, I, I, I don't feel well. This just isn't working right. right. I've got a distraction at home or whatever. Um, my daughter, Alana likes to play D and D. She likes to play with AJ and I and other people. She likes to go to Evercon and have a good time. But sometimes she's like, I just don't, dad, I don't want to play D and D today. Okay. Let's get AJ together. Three of us talk about it. AJ's like, Oh, I'm kind of disappointed. Well, how about we come up with a compromise? How about tomorrow? Sure. Tomorrow. Fine. Let's do that instead. It's easy. All three of us are in the same house. Right. But that's a piece that I don't want to. One, she's my kid. I don't want to make her game. That just seems stupid. But we have a talk about it. Like, why, you know, why are you not going to show up? You know, I can't make it. I don't feel like it. I just don't, I'm not interested or whatever. And I think that piece, that making time to play the dedication that you signed up to do a thing and the uh, being adult enough to contact somebody. And sometimes it's even like, look, I, hey guys, man, I'm, I want to play tonight. I'm just, I'm really distracted. So if I'm a little quiet tonight, hey, I'm a little quiet tonight. Sometimes that's awesome to say. And sometimes it's just as awesome to call up the crew and say, look, my buddy Nick had to do this uh, two weeks ago. He's getting his house painted. It's other home projects going on. Much like you, Sean, he's like, I can't game tonight. I thought we'd be done in time. Not happening. You know, Alpha had to bail last time because of work. He's getting his ass kicked with a huge program. Couldn't, couldn't stop. Had to bail. But the dedication those guys have to the group and yourself to your Delta Green group, you guys are dedicated to it. Ilana's dedicated. She wants to game with AJ and I. She just sometimes the the, the time has to move. And I think that's that's a big piece. Instead of being instead of being a flake, where you're just like, are they showing up or not? I don't fucking know. Maybe they're here. Maybe they're not. You know, they, we got six players or seven if so and so ever shows up. That's kind of that's kind of dumb, right? That's not a that's not a good or friendly player type of thing. No, I think uh, that that depends on whether it's a a pretzel and beer kind of game, and it's gonna roll regardless of who is there. And if that person, you know, if it's not a big deal that people mm-hmm. come and go because that's that's okay or or standard most of this stuff is going to be dependent on the the crew that you're playing with and their expectations as a common denominator amongst everybody because we're all going to be there's going to be the 
the folks that say, hey, this is what a good gamer is, or this is what the group is about. And one of those or two aren't going to agree. And it's mm-hmm. the, the farthest on either end that tends to either ruffle everybody's feathers or um, I don't want to say screw things up, but you could say that. Well, maybe they screw things up, but you know, the examples are, you know, those that may not be self-conscious and self-aware of taking too much spotlight. True. Yeah. The thespian, you know, wants all the attention or, or it doesn't even have to be a thespian. Just has to be somebody that's like, Hey, I don't know. Pay attention to me. You paying attention to me? How come you're not paying attention to me? (laughs) I, I, I seek a lot of feedback from people all the time. Forever. (laughs) Yeah. And I've seen those folks at tables and it's there. The thing is, is that there is an underlying enthusiasm, but it's, it's kind of sharing the table. Um, so I think, I mean, there is a combined effort on how to be a better player. So obviously the note taking is the, the paying attention component. Mm Hmm. So I'll tell you what, the reason I brought up the, the tone thing is because for me, a lot of times when I'm running a game, I want, I try to set a tone and try to get people to help maintain that. It's, it's a big thing for me because if I'm running, I've run a, uh, you, you played in my one intro to Wraith game. It's a world of darkness game. It goes really dark, really fast. Yeah. Everybody ends up dead or tries to figure out how to stop this guy from reaping souls and so on and so forth. It's fucking crazy and weirdness. And Every time I've run it a couple times now, and every time I run it, everybody gets into it. Every group I've played with, yourself included, were great players because they got into the game. They said, This is the tone, I'm in. And they jumped in, and you guys did everything you could to maintain that tone. Right. Now, I would say, I'll use myself as a shit example, is that in your Star Wars game, when I sat on the ship, I was being a dick. Talked about that many times over the years. I kind of fucked with the tone of the game. That was not what you had set up and what everybody else was into, I was being difficult, right? So the other folks, Kevin and the other guys and and whatnot, they they were having a good time, right? But they were more into the tone of what was supposed to be happening. And I was being a difficult player. I was on that one end of it where I just, I wasn't helping to maintain the tone and it kind of messed things up a little bit. And I started to get better with it after a while, but I just did not do a good job. So the tone piece is big for me. And I learned a lot from, honestly, is I've said this to you before. I'm like, I never want to do that again. Cause it was a stick move. And I, I didn't see it when I did it. And when I look back, I'm like, wow, that was terrible. Could have been this the wrong game, Brett. Like it yeah. totally could have been the wrong game, like, but hey, I mean, playing Star Wars. No, thanks. Like, yeah. I've been doing this long enough though, that I should have been like, you know what? I can just fucking get into it, dude. It's not that hard. You know, throw yourself at the tone, just make it happen. It's not that difficult to do. These are good people. I liked all of you. You're all friends of mine. So it's not like I'm like hanging out with assholes I don't like. <laughs> like I'm stuck at a con game with a whole bag of jerks, you know, that I can't stand. Yeah, but I am finding that gaming and friendship can be this can work together. Absolutely. But it yep. doesn't have to. That's a good point. I mean, that's I think one of the things that I think a lot of people believe is that 
in order for me to game, I have to play with my friends or in order for me to be with my friends, I have to game. And I don't think they're mutually, you know, they don't, they don't have to be. They're not connected. Don't necessarily have to be. They don't have to, they don't have to be. And so then you get into these weird ruts or you get into, um, I don't know. Like even with the star Wars group, like I could call Jeff tomorrow. We could go out for beers and everything would be fine. Like it's not just because we're not gaming and we decided to shit can the campaign. Doesn't mean you're not friends. Doesn't mean we're not friends. Now, some people in some group dynamics, that may not be the case. Like I have, I have had that. I have had that absolutely be the case. Yeah. Where some people I don't game with anymore when I've run into them post fact, they are angry with me. Sure. Depending on how things. Yes. I have. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People are, I look, I, I say have, people I have, are weird affectionately, but they are weird. People are weird. So the, the tone piece is a big thing for me. So Sean, if you were to look back, is it the bare bones, like the table stake? Well, I call it table stakes. It's kind of insulting. I don't mean it to be, but I just couldn't think of another phrase, but what is a good player to you? Like if you were to say, Hey, I want good players at my game, right? You're thinking about this. I want to run this new game. I want to have some good players there. Are there attributes that make you think of certain people? You don't have to name names, obviously. No. Um, I don't want you to do that. But is there like, hey, I don't, I want or don't want X? Because, I mean, tone is big for me. And I mentioned dedication. And that is another second top tier type of thing for me. With like, look, if we're going to play every other Thursday and you never fucking show up, you're not here to play. I, I am serious about the hobby. So are the rest of us who show up all the time. Yeah, I hang out with Lenny outside of work. I talk to, or excuse me, outside of games. I talk to Sean and we do, you know, so on and so forth. Even when we didn't work together anymore, still friends, all good. Don't game together as often as maybe we could, but doesn't matter. However, dedication is like, if I were to say, hey, I'm going to run a Simper Room game, Sean, you in. I think you would want to, from a Game Master perspective, you'd be like, so is it every week? Is it every third week? Heads, tails, maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll show up. I don't know. Maybe I'll show up. But it's I, I think there's a can you make it, can you not? And those people who are, you know, always too busy to play. I really, 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 really want to play D&D with you guys. Well, we play every Thursday. Oh, Thursdays are bad. Okay. Well, how about Fridays? Oh, geez. Every fifth Friday on a full moon. Is that now? Oh, yeah. Oh, can't make this Friday either. People with horribly difficult calendars and so on, or constant excuses as to why. I just don't have time for that shit. So, Sean, what's big <laughs> stuff for you? What's big stuff for Sean that you're like, hey, man, I got to have this? Well, the, 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 it just comes down to like respect and, and common courtesy, like in a lot of things. Um, so, so as long as I'm respectful and courteous, I can play at your game. Part of it. Part it's of it. A, okay. It's a it's a bundle. <laughs> it's a package. Like tone, explain the package, Sean. Tone is, is great, package? but if so your tone is great, but if they never show up, then what's the point? Or Fair. or if they show up and they're like embracing the tone, but they don't participate, is like kind of you know, they could come in with the tone, like, okay, I'm serious, great. They, they sit at the table and, and don't say anything like they're a mouse and, but they're, they're not being disruptive, right? Fair. They're okay. not being disruptive. They're just maybe quieter than some. Is that a good player? Better player? I don't know. That's better than being disruptive. True. Right? Absolutely. Coming in and, you know, sitting on their phone or whatever, 
but when it's their turn, they're all in like, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. It's, uh, you know, all right, let's do this. So I think there's, there's an enthusiasm to play the game. I think there's a understanding of, of other people's time, the sensitivity to other people's time. So that goes to the, Hey, just, you know, show up when you can, mm-hmm. when it's scheduled, if it's not going to be the night you want to play because you're in a funk, well, okay. But if that becomes a trend, maybe it's not. That's the thing. Some people have other obligations. And if those other obligations are coming in the way of gaming, maybe you have to go and take care of those obligations, then come back. Like life, sometimes you have to take care of shit in order to have the fun. Exactly. And that's 100% legit. Every right. decent gaming group I know, and I, I mean, BSers who listen to this are like, if you're playing it with me, with Sean, you said, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I have to bail on the campaign. We have this huge project at work, and it's just, it is eating me. I'm 50 hours a week, man. I don't have any time to breathe, and I got a wife and kids. I just, I can't, I can't squeeze gaming in right now. Yeah. Legit. Sorry. Bail. We'll, you, we'll talk to you later. You know, yeah. that's fine. Sorry to see you go, but hey, that's cool. Go do your thing. When you're back, let me know. And we'll be, hey, she's back. Woo. Go off to your thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I, like I think being a better player is, is with the enthusiasm component comes. Mm-hmm. If it's a new person, then they have a willingness to learn the game. doesn't mean they have to know it necessarily right off the bat, but I think you're right. As time goes on, then yes, some of the smaller nuances that are repetitive, probably should come into you know familiarity than not so correct right how do i do this again some of that stuff so there's a pass in a in a probation period i I would say for new folks but over time you kind of have to to learn to take on whatever the rules that pertain to your character at least pertain to your character sure i like the idea of the enthusiasm you brought up sean because that and being able to recognize in yourself as a player, like I have lost my enthusiasm. Why the game masters is, I don't like her style. I don't like the way these, this group operates. This guy's a jerk. I brought it up. No one can fix it. I mean, those are some extreme examples. And sometimes the example is I am so busy with my other life outside of gaming. I have no time or I have overextended myself I'm playing in six campaigns. Why in the hell did I say I could do that? I can't do that. I got to cut back. And I've made a decision that these are the ones I'm most enthusiastic about. I'm going to have to bail on these. I think that that honesty right there, I think that enthusiasm and being honest with like, hey, look, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm not having fun. I'm not mad at you guys. I have so much other crap to do. I just, I need to bail. Okay, that's fine. And sometimes you don't have to give me an. Oh, wait, I shouldn't say sometimes. You could you could tell me whatever it is you want. You could say, "Look, I'm not going to play. I just don't. I just don't have time." The real answer could be, "Brett, I think you're a dick." Okay, you know, you could just tell me whatever. Like, look, I just don't want to play. I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm not going to dig into it. You know, you're a grown person. That's fine. But I think you're right, Sean. I love the the concept of enthusiasm and then being self aware enough to say, why is it waning or what is it here? Sometimes it's like, Hey, Sean, I hate my character. Can I make a new one? Right. And the answer is, yeah, good. I want to make it work. Okay, cool. That sounds great. That's within our parameters. Go for it, man. 
yeah, I just don't like the halfling thief anymore. I'm just fucking bored with him. Yeah. Cool. New guy. The enthusiasm. The enthusiasm big deal. point also comes into the spirit of the game. So enthusiasm. Yay. I'm excited. But the spirit of the game takes that one step further and gets the player to want to, to take on the tone, right? Mm-hmm. They like want that. to, they want to, um, they want to be involved. They want to know what's going on. They want, they take notes or they don't take notes, but they have a vested interest in what is going on. Right. If an invested interest usually means that it's somewhere in your memory banks. Sure. If you're vested in it, it's not like a passing thing. Right. You know, but it's not just I, kick, kick the door down, kill the monster, take it stuff. Right. Again, if that's your fun, that's your fun. But I get what you're saying. Like, hey, our, yeah, I like it. I like what But when saying. I say spirit of the game, that's going to vary based on the game and the group that you're playing with. And I'll Agreed. explain. Right. If you say, hey, this is heavily heavy tactics, I'm all right with min maxers and optimizers because that's how you're going to win the game. Right. That's how you're going to survive. That's that's okay. And that's welcome. Like, hey, you want a meta game? Perfectly fine. In other games, no, 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 that's not how we're going to roll. You know, we're not going to whip out the minis and we're not going to get tactical. And the reason for that is we're going to do theater of the mind so that you can do more improvisation with what's around you that, that may not be on the map in the, like on the picture. It's something that you can come up on your own and we will incorporate that and collaborate and great. Right. Got it. So when you say spirit of the game, that's going to vary from table to table, much like this whole entire hobby is based off of, right? Well, I think that's important, though, too, dude, because you've got the the spirit of the game being played, right, to finish yes. that piece. And I think True. that's important because you'll have people sometimes that they're 100% into the spirit of Call of Cthulhu, and somebody looks at them and goes, dude, we're playing Simber Room. Dude, we are playing... right." Star Wars. This is not that game. Right. It's different. Yes. They have this is adjust. a different game. This right. game is space opera. This game is Star Trek. It's not the same. Well, you know, and, also, and if you, and, and being aware of yourself and saying, look, I, I don't want to play Star Trek because I don't like that type. Right. <laughs> that's, that's that. My enthusiasm isn't in that space. I'm not going to get into that game or whatever. So anyway, keep going. Keep but going. there's facets to the game, even beyond just, well, it's Star Wars. It's called Cthulhu. It's insert whatever title. It's mm-hmm. how the game master is going to run it or the type. And then it goes back to some of the tone, but it also goes back to, you know, I, I roll like this, you know, it's heavy drama. I don't do a lot of combat. Like some of these things just need to be aware of because the, I mean, better player, yeah. But if I guess in this case, what I'm explaining is if you get a player that's a good player, maybe they're a great player in that game, but not this game. And if and knowing that is half the battle and trying to fit a square peg into a round hole isn't always the way to go. Like they're a great player if they're playing that game. Maybe not so much in this game. And so that goes to kind of some of the tone and expectations and conveying it from a game master perspective or, or session zero or what have you, you know, whether you use cats or, or etc. So having said that, then it's, you know, role playing. 
is that a component of game, right? Is it a, it's different than chess or checkers, but you know, I mentioned on the stream Saturday, sometimes, I mean, if you just, I think people equate critical role, voice acting, uh, LARPing, dressing up like a dungeon master with a weird robe and you cover your head and getting behind the GM screen. And that's, that's role-playing games. Now for some great, they might prefer that. But what I go to is helping understand like you're taking on the role of a character and it doesn't have to be actor, but you'd be surprised at how many people really jam on that. Even the folks that aren't susceptible to, to appreciating that in, I guess, no, that's not right. Let me frame that up correctly. Some people will appreciate it, even if it's not their jam. So what I mean Got is, it. what I mean is, is you can sit down and not bring up funny voices, but maybe you talk slower when you're talking about your character or in character, you talk louder. You, maybe you, you, so there is a accents we've, we've gone into before. There's a persona that you can, uh, that you can employ, right? There is being arrogant, being, being afraid and so on. All those those tones and feelings and how, how, how does the character react? Like know? Why, how will I know if I'm with Brett at the table and Brett's playing a character and when he talks, how do I know Brett isn't talking as Brett or how do I know Brett is talking as his character? And it could be just saying, you know, hey, my guy asks him, you know, okay, well go, go ahead and ask like go Brett, yeah. you know, uh, in, in Lenny's Call of Cthulhu game, you can tell if I'm playing my character because he's an incredibly arrogant prick. <laughs> he's just he's rude and obnoxious, and uh, everybody else is not quite up to uh, not quite up to his standards, right? Right, right. And that's how he operates. I I speak as such and act as such. My friends know that's not me, but that's just who it is. Right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. So and you know, so there is a combination of and of things that go into how to be a better player. And better is, you know, we we say there's good and there's better, but good could be, you know. So how about like driving action? You and I have had a couple off mic chats, as it were, around you know, wait, we, we, <clears throat> there's a thing in the RPG hobby called turtling, right, where the characters kind of like climb up. The players don't know what to do. They sit in the locked room in a safe house, guns pointed every direction. They claymore the outside. And they don't do anything, right? And it's not necessarily just tone because some tones like a horror game or right. it's like fucking terrifying. There's a monster outside going to eat your head. Well, And you can have a thing in your character sheet that says, you know, I'm driven to uncover monsters that eat people's heads. It doesn't matter because at the moment you're, you're scared, your character's scared. But there's ways to drive action. And I, I think... You know, I've talked about this enough off the mic, as I say. I, I think there's a really cool thing that good players do where they're able to drive activity, even if everybody wants to turtle up. They're kind of, it's almost like a quasi game master type of role where you can see the players go, look, we could sit here and die or we could try to do something. Yeah, but look, there is no answer. You know, we, we've got, we have enough of this scrap of the spell book. We got this, uh, these two um, candles and this uh, powder of Ibangaz. I think it might work. We have to try something before it eats somebody else's head. 
hey, you're right. Let's go try this. You know, it, and, and, you know, you, how many times have you played D&D back in the day or even now, perhaps when there's like a four, you're in an, a literal dungeon and there's a four way passage, right? <laughs> left or you know, where do you go? Well, 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 somebody make an in-character decision and help drive the party, help drive it. Well, it's so crazy because uh, when 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 stuff like that happens, I scratch my head to some degree. I mean, obviously, if it's up every time and it's prolonged, um, because people will complain about railroading and linear adventures. Yeah, and then you 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 give them choices, and then they're like, I don't know what to do. You know. <laughs> Yes. I mean, I've seen you, know, that. you know what I'm saying? It's, it's such a weird I like to have a lot of choices in an open sandbox. Here's a wide open world with six million plastic dinosaurs and all these paths. What is it that you want to do today? Well, what are my options? <sighs> I've, yeah. seen, I've seen that happen. You gotta, give that care, happen. you gotta give players options. Don't have to have all the options, but, but they yeah. don't have to have all the options. Like just like in decision making, like the more choices, the more they they can turtle up honestly to some degree. Well, the best way to get an executive to make a call is three options: the one you want, and then two other options that are either way too expensive or way too stupid. Yeah. So I, I but I do think though that being able to drive the action from a player's perspective, it, it's again to me it goes to tone again, but it's still like look, we got to do something. You know, we we can't sit here forever and argue about this particular issue or whatever the case is. Someone help driving the story along getting things moving and so forth. I think that's a big piece. It's when you got to get the, the game master to poke them. Yeah. A little cattle prod action. <laughs> big, huge. Pay. You're in- is, is there anything else though, the Sean that from your side that you're like, Hey, this is, I want to, I want this at my table. I think, I think the ones that we've talked with or talked about and mentioned briefly are some of the bigger ones. And I don't, it's so funny to me because some of the stuff of being a better gamer is we all know what a bad gamer is. <laughs> Sit at the Fake. table and you're like, I mean, there's maybe uh, bad is even relative too, but it doesn't take much. And that's why there's not podcasts that talk about how to be a better player for 500 episodes because most of it is a relatively limited it's not i don't see it as the same craft as i do game mastering it's just but it's a different skill set for sure it is but you can take components of being from a game master perspective and incorporate it into the game as a player and and you'll be you'll be top notch that's a good point. Like the driving action one I just brought up, right? That's a game master thing, helping people push forward, limit choices down, boiling things to a, like, hey, we can act where these these three options are actionable. Which of these three do you all want to do? Yeah, I buy that. I mean, I we, think that makes sense. We, Phil ran Mothership for us on an off night. And, you know, he was like, you know, it was, it was fun. It seemed seemed easy for him to run the game with mm-hmm. us. Uh, I think he might have mentioned that verbatim, and and one of the reasons is, is that you know I mean we hey hey we should probably roll panic for that hey Phil like we're we're taking on some of the negative stuff like we're you know it's a survival horror game but not survival but sci fi horror game and 
we're we're wanting to embrace the stuff that the game has to offer. And so like we witness something and maybe Phil doesn't call, make a call. We're just like, Hey, want me to, want me to roll panic check? Like, what do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds good. Man. That's good. Play- uh, to me, that's, that's good player shit right there, man. Because yeah. when be it D and D Cthulhu, mothership, star Wars, whatever, like, okay. So I remember actually playing star Wars a couple of times with you saying, doesn't that give you a dark point? You're like, Oh yeah, that's right. I get a dark side point. We had a few of those. Like, hey, you get light, we get light side point for that, and you get a dark side for this one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tick, 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 tick. You know, Th- that bookkeeping component. You know, I uh, <laughs> there's a constant joke in my group where someone says, hey, Brett, should we be making a poison safe? Oh, yeah, that's right. Someone goes, you dick. <laughs> you know, that's just, why'd you tell him that? It's a good fun, that ribbing, but everybody appreciates the fact that the fact that the game master has umpteen different things that they're trying to accomplish and use a player, you've got plenty that you're trying to accomplish as well. But if you happen to know the rules for swimming and the game master's floundering, ha ha ha, uh, pun, you could say, Hey, this is the rule for swimming. Just roll this. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. Off we go. Oh, thank God they know that. You know, I, I think that that's in, that can be cool once you, and sometimes that's hard to do if you haven't mastered the game or you don't know the game or the rules are kind of tricky. And sometimes it's being aware and again, paying attention like, okay, wait a minute. <clears throat> so, so let me get this straight, Sean. Last time we opened the box, Phil had to roll a panic check. I'm opening a similar box. Do I need to make a panic check? I'm cool with it. Is it the same thing here? No, Brett, that box was also because, of, okay, cool, 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 cool. Got it, got it, got it. Asking those, you like you're kind of breaking and stepping outside the fourth wall, as it were, ask the game master a tactical rules question, come back to reality. That stuff's cool to me because it shows the players paying attention. Like, wait a minute, <clears throat> I did this thing knowing full well, I may have to make a neg- I'm, something bad might happen to me acting in as character, trying to help maintain the tone. If that indicates that I should have a negative impact on me, bring it on. I'm ready for that type of thing. Cause again, survival horror, I'm supposed to lose an arm. Somebody here should, somebody here should, somebody here should be on crutches by now. How come we're all fine? You know, it's, somebody should be tripped and bleeding. How come no one's tripped and bleeding yet? You know? Yeah. The, you like gotta, that. you gotta know the rules to kind of, see, I equate it to like, okay, the game master is gotta, is gotta do, you know, three sets, 10 reps, big weight. <laughs> the players got to help spot, like help, help lift the weight. And by doing that, it's, it's adding suggestions, being, being collaborative, not spotlight hogging, you know, be, being a, an active participant, you know, respecting people's times and being there and saying you're going to be there when you can, or, or even at the same time, Hey, I can't be there. I'm going to let you know as far in advance as I can, you know, something came up like even, you know, with our group and Kevin, like he's, you know, I think his kid got like his hand whacked with a baseball bat. Cause he's playing catcher you know, oh. getting the glove too close into the, into the strike zone, you know, boom, the hospital, you know, he would, yeah, no problem. But you know, he, he even was crazy enough to show up. Like, I think he showed up even on time. Like, what are we, what are you doing here, man? Isn't your kid like in the hospital with a fractured arm or hand? Nah, it's fine. Keep going. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, everything was fine. No, no break, broken bones. Just, you know, uh, I'll tell you there's something you said there about that example and about the player spotting. I think the other thing that players can do is they can spot each other. And here's what I mean by that is that we can help players celebrate their success, right? When the player across from you, they roll this amazing die roll 
at the right time, like, oh my God, natural 20. It's very easy for the table. Yay. But sometimes it's like, you know, hey, I got an idea. I think I could do this. You look at her and you go, that's a brilliant idea. Yes. Could she do that? Supporting each other, good ideas, bad ideas, sometimes going, you know what? I could totally see your character doing that. Those words of encouragement back and forth on the other side of the game screen, that goes a long way. When I see that happen at con games that I'm running, even short, tight little groups like that, two hours, four hours, people are like, oh my God, that totally sounds like something your character would do. That's fun. You know, and if it's a longer term campaign and someone comes back and says, hey, um, I got this for your character. My character bought this for you. Why? Well, I know she's been complaining that she doesn't have this or he's been complaining because he doesn't have that or they've been whining about this. And so I thought I'd do something to, to ease their bird a little bit. I bought him a bedroll. Really? Yeah. You lost yours. So I wouldn't pick one up for you. You could have my spare. Any stuff just weird not weird, but <clears throat> non-game impacting shit like that, where you're propping each other up as a player, I think that is a step above. That's good player shit right there. When people are, when a bad roll happens, you know, something horrible happens to their character, you go, oh, damn, that sucks. Oh, my God. Is there anything I can do to help? You know, wow, I'll, I'm coming. I got a healing spell. I'm, hang on a second. You know, that type of conversation, when you're engaging with that player, like saying, I'm coming to help you out. I need your assistance over here. Or you're, you're talking, you know, as your characters, not necessarily in voices or in your character's voice per se. But again, I love that when I see players propping each other up, instead of just being me as the game master saying, oh, that's a beautiful role. Very good idea. I'm not the only one who can hand out praise, right? The players can pass the praise around, right? And you don't want to slam somebody for the quote unquote stupid idea. You can say, not bad, but hey, I got an idea. I don't know if you want. I, I just I got another idea. Do what you want. Here's another call. I've seen people saved from doing something horribly character life threatening because they didn't realize there was another option. So it goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you still have a spell? Oh shit, I have feather fall. Oh, thank God. Whoop, I jump off the side. You know. I said, Well, I'll try to climb down the rope with my broken arm. Why would you do that? Don't you have a spell? Oh, thank God I do. That's two players talking. That's not me. I think that is cool. I think that's a step. I think that's a step up. And when I see players do it, as I said, that's just makes me smile. Anything else on that one, man? I don't think so. No, I think you're right. It's not. Maybe if there's a kind of a closer on it is that once you've got a good group of players, right? and you're playing and everyone's having fun and the whole group is clicking, this kind of goes to the long-term game group thing I talked about a while back. There's some real serious magic that happens when that's going on. Get a good group of players. And sometimes those groups split up multiple reasons, right? My Wednesday evening podcast crew, I had uh, Kev Lovecraft, uh, Sneezak, and uh, Andy, and Tom Flanagan from Nights of Night. It was great. Shit just, you know, schedules went to hell and we, we couldn't keep going, right? It was so much fun. I looked forward to that game. I'm looking forward to every game I've got scheduled right now with my friends. And it's not just because they're my friends. These games are fun. My buddy Lenny does not like Star Wars, and uh, he completely bailed out of Nick's game. I like gaming with Nick, and I'm really enjoying the D6 system. It's kind of fun. I had only played it briefly before. I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. Let's try this, you know? But I think... um, 
the fuck am I going with this? I, I think there's there's something cool when you've got it, you know? And if you act as a good player and you try to bolster up the rest of the group and you do these things and help help your other players along, you know, I, I think you can you can kind of build, provided you don't have a complete douchebag in your group, you can build up a decent group, you know, with folks just by being a good player and helping other people out and don't hide that, you know, will hide that stuff, help share it around type of thing. So anyway, you good, man? I'm good. All right. So if you've got better ideas, more solid ideas, better articulated ideas <laughs> or anything else that you think stuff that makes you say that person's a good player. I like it when I see this at my game table, this type of play at my game table is solid. Let us know what that is because there's a ton of examples out there. And uh, sometimes it's like, you know it when you see it like art, <laughs> you know what, you know what, like, you know, what sings to you after you see the art, but I bring it up because I'm sure there's some cool shit out there that Sean, and I did not mention. And we'd love to hear about it so we can share it with others. So cool, man. Shall we? Yeah, we shall. Let's get into die roll. Die roll. There you go. Uh, pushing buttons are hard. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery. Got three this week. Brett's got one. Yeah, threw out that Angela Murray, the Gnome Stew article on being a better player. So link in the show notes there. Go to Gnome Stew. Look that one up. Yes. Uh, second one. This one's old, or I don't know why I missed it, but uh, the story engine deck of worlds. That ends in six days. Uh, so by the time this drops, you might have like a few hours left. But it's a uh, it's a Kickstarter that's well funded. Um, thanks to Akadokan for that one. And then, of course, last but not least, the world's largest bundle because you can never have a big enough dungeon. Is that the world's largest? Oh, the world's largest dungeon and city. Oh my God. Have you ever seen a copy, a hard copy of the world's largest dungeon? It's as uh, as thick as Tolus. Yeah, you could kill you could kill a person with that. You could, you know, could drop a Cape Buffalo with that thing. It's a big goddamn book. It's in what what they have it here. The world's largest dungeon has one thousand six hundred encounters. It's a nine hundred page mega dungeon. It's too big. However, you can steal stuff. That's 900 pages worth of stealing is what that is. That's how I see it. I think it should be merged with the other uh, subsequent biggest dungeons, like Waterdeep or Undermountain. I mean, Undermountain, Undermountain yeah. World's Largest Dungeon. Um, Rap on a Thok. Just merge them all together. Borrow Maze. Oh, yeah. Post it on the side. Yeah. You're never, ever leaving because you're going to put them right in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a classic prison break. You're out. How do you get home? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, the, kids. You've been banished there. Oh, my Good God. Good luck getting out. Yeah, that would be wow. fantastic. Hey, now recruiting. I'm going to recruit for that game. I'm going to use a VTT, put them all in there. Dyna- dynamic lighting and everything. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. I can bet you get some takers. You might. Yeah. Anyways. That, Good. Con- that concludes this episode. What are we talking about next week, Brett? 
Next week, I had an idea here, Sean. I was talking about, I wanted to talk about some of the lessons from Forbidden Lands. You've been running that and having a hell of a lot of fun with it. And I thought, man, there's probably some gems in there that I could take away and use for other stuff. I've never run a hex crawl. I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I've never run like a full on, honest to God, hex crawl. Call yourself a D&D player. What's wrong with you? I know. I just feel like a fucking loser. Well, but anyway, I thought I could fix that by could learning. be a better player or a better I mean, game master by running a hex crawl, Brett. Probably could. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was hoping you could share some wisdom with me now that you've run it for a while and see if we can pull some goodies out of it. And if that doesn't drip a trigger, we got another idea I'll throw at you later. So. Oh. So, we good? We're good, I think. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for everybody that's shown up tonight during our live taping. We tape every Monday night at 8 p.m. Pending home improvement projects or, you know, accidents or anything. We should be here. John uses actual tape, too. I mentioned that before. So, 8 p.m. Central Time twitch.com actually gaming nbs.com forward slash twitch they'll get you here otherwise if you see this on youtube give us a like and subscribe or more importantly check out the flagship show on your podcatcher of choice mm-hmm. yeah that's it so all right for gaming nbs i'm sean i'm brett good night and good game and all this episode of gaming nbs produced with help from the following bsers Adventure Frameworks, Aaron Coleman, Andrew Lear, Andy Hall, Andy Olson, Angus, AWOL Trooper, Bob Fletcher, Brandon Barnes, Brett Pazinski, Brian Kurtz, Brian Rumble, Chris Shore, Chris Steele, Cole Kago, Corey Gonzalez, Craig, Craig Huber, Craig Shipman, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValley, Daniel Garrett, David F. Baylog, Eileen Barnes, Eric Avia, Eric Jeppesen, Eric Salzweedle, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Eric Tavola, George Sedgwick, Harrigan, Henry Newcomb, Howard Bishop, Hus Carl, Isaiah Aries Christian, Jared Rasher, Jason Hobbs, Jay Plata, Jeff Goh, Jeff Seifert, Jim Fitzpatrick, Jim Ingram, John Kayward, Kevin Keneally, Laramie Wall, Larry Hout, Larry Hollis, Mark Richmond, Mark Tasaka, Maurice, Melissa Bashinsky, Michael Dinos, Michael O'Holland, Mike Coleman, Mike Hess Jr., Miniature Master, Niall Diamond, Old Scoozer Role Playing, Old School DM, Orcus Dorcus, Perry Basor, Phil McClory, Pure Mongrel, Quigley Malcolm, Ray Otis, Robert Nemeth, Dolbert, Roger Brasslett, Ron Bishop, Rory Weston, Sky, The Duke in Purple, Todd Sharp, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Wayne Peacock, Zagrave, Adam Grochon, Chad Clayman, Christopher Lang, Ed Nyes, Josh Wallace, Stephen Dragonspawn, Corey Welch, Merkel Froilich, Rich Wishon, Vornak, Aaron Raylia, Curtis Takahashi, and Joe Swick. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.